0: Welcome to the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. My name is Jeanette Cochran. I'm a pastor, women's leadership coach, and self-proclaimed Jesus feminist. I'm on a mission to inspire and equip women everywhere to own our voice, speak up, create, and lead wherever God calls. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Hello, friends, and welcome to the second episode of the Empowered Christian Woman podcast. I'm so thrilled that you have chosen to listen in today. As I said, I want to use these first few episodes to lay a foundation for some of the biblical passages that have often been used against women to hold us back, to silence us or marginalize us in the church and sometimes in our homes, and oftentimes in the greater community in the world. And unfortunately, we don't have to go far into the Bible to find passages of Scripture that have really been misinterpreted to hold women back. And so today, we're going to look at the very first couple of chapters in the book of Genesis at the creation account. How we interpret this passage in Genesis, the creation account, really sets the stage for how we view all of the other passages of scripture relating to men and women. Because if we get this one wrong, we are very likely to make mistakes as we try and understand the rest of the Bible. It's kind of like, have you ever had a situation where you're watching a movie that you're really engaged in? And someone else shows up and they come in and they sit down next to you kind of midstream and they start watching and they start asking you questions about, well, who's she? And well, what's he doing? And what's happening here? And you, know, and you find yourself realizing they can't understand fully what's happening in the moment because they missed the opening scenes. They missed the setup of the movie. That's kind of how the Bible works. And so, how we interpret the creation narrative and how God has designed us really sets the stage for how we view men and women and what God is doing in creation, in the world, in our history, and in our future. Now, it might be helpful if here at the beginning I point out to you that at the heart of this conversation about men and women, there really are Only two main theological viewpoints. One is complementarianism, which is the theological view that at creation, God ordained a gender-based hierarchy that determines the roles of men and women in the home and the church. And some people would argue even in the secular world in general. The second theological viewpoint is egalitarianism. And this viewpoint holds that God created all people, all ethnic groups, all classes, all age groups equal, and that God has created us to live in full and equal partnerships. And roles should be determined by gifts, abilities, and calling, not gender. I want to be upfront here, in case you haven't figured it out yet. I am a very strong egalitarian. I um, would put myself very squarely in the center of the egalitarianism camp. That being said, at one time, I believed and I taught complementarianism because that's what I was taught. That's what I thought was um, God's desire and God's design And it wasn't until I started studying the Bible for myself that I realized there even was another option. And so as I began to dig in, for me, egalitarianism made sense with not only how my husband and I were living in the world and what I already believed and knew about men and women, but it also seemed to make sense when I aligned scripture together and um, tried to understand the whole of Scripture and what God was doing. So all of that said, I do also want to say for those complementarians that may be listening in, or those of you listening that have friends and family that fall in that camp, complementarians are wonderful people. I'm not trying to pit one against the other, but I am trying to make a case for what I believe is a better way of understanding God's design for men and women. And I think this is vitally important because this is the place where we need to reclaim God's vision for women, God's vision for his daughters, and quite frankly, his vision for his sons. Because what we've been told about the Genesis story versus what it really says may be vastly different. In Genesis chapter one, verses 27 and 28, we read that both male and female are created in the image of God. Both men and women have been created to reflect the image of God. And so both of us are necessary in order to reflect God's full glory in the world. One is not better than the other. Both are necessary and interdependent. And also in verse 28, we read that the commission, the command to be fruitful and to rule the earth and subdue it, that commission is given to both men and women. There's no indication of any hierarchy or authority or power struggle. Here, before sin and evil has entered our world, here in the perfect paradise, there is no vying for power between men and women. Men and women are both interdependent, co regents, co equals, both necessary for God's work in the world. It's important to notice that in these verses, there is some authority. There is some hierarchy. The authority and the hierarchy is given to the man and the woman over the creation. Both the man and the woman are given stewardship of the earth. But what is conspicuously absent is any notion of authority or hierarchy between the man and the woman now some will say yes but when you get to genesis chapter 2 where there is a more descriptive rendering of the creation account that the woman is created to be the man's helper and therefore she has a subordinate role, kind of an assistant there to build up and support the man who is doing the real work in the world. But here's why I think that interpretation needs some revisioning. The word that our English Bible translates as helper is the Hebrew word "azer," and the word that is often Describing the helper is helper suitable for, or the King James calls it a help meet. That word is the word konegdo. So azur konegdo are the original Hebrew words that are translated in our Bibles. In the original Hebrew language, the word Azer is a combination of two root words that mean to rescue, to save, or to be strong. That word appears 19 additional times in the Old Testament, and never is it used about a person of lower rank or position. In fact, 17 times it's used to talk about God, God as the strength and the helper of his people. And so in Psalm 3320, it says, we wait and hope for the Lord. He is our ezer, our strength. It's translated in English, and our shield. To say that the word helper insinuates a lower status or rank is incorrect. That, that word is used again and again for God. And no one would ever argue that when God comes along to help us or to rescue us or to be our strength, that that means that he is taking a subordinate role. Konegdo also needs some upgrading. The word Konegdo is only used here in this passage, which means we should pause and be very careful at how we translate that word. And so when we find a word in the Bible that's only in one place, sometimes we have to look in other literature to see how it was used, David Friedman, an American Bible scholar and theologian who converted from Judaism and became a Presbyterian minister, was also one of the first Americans to work on the Dead Sea Scrolls, a pretty smart man. He has stated that he believes the best rendering of Konegdo is equal to. He points out that in the later Mishniak Hebrew, the root konegdo, he says, means equal, as in the famous saying, the study of Torah is equal, is konegdo to all other. He writes, and I quote, In my view, there is no basis for translating konegdo as fit or appropriate, as the traditional translators do when they describe the woman as a fit helper. When God creates Eve from Adam's rib, he is intent that she will be, unlike the animals, a power or strength equal to him. I think there is no other way of understanding the phrase, azer konegdo, that can be defended. So the descriptions of women as dependent and needy and helpless and weak are simply incorrect. Ladies, you are azer. You are God's creative masterpiece, a work of genius, fearfully and wonderfully made. You were created as a strength equal to your brothers. God defines who you are and how you are to live in the world. And that never changes, regardless of what others say about you, regardless of how you even feel about yourself. God, your creator, has defined your value and your worth in this world, and he says that you are a strong rescuer, created in his image to rule and reign. You are here to make a positive contribution in the world, to develop your character and your God-given gifts to make an impact. Carolyn Custis James, in her book, Half the Church, says, If Adam must think, decide, protect, and provide for the woman, she actually becomes a burden on him. Not much help when you think about it. The kind of help the man needs demands full deployment of her strength, her gifts, and the best she has to offer. Ladies, we need to show up in the world with the fullness of all of our gifts, not shrinking or minimizing ourselves. Staying quiet and playing safe, but stepping fully into developing our gifts and taking the risks that we know God is calling us to, to step into the calling that God has for us. And that's going to look different for each of us. For some of you, that's a change that maybe God wants you to make in your home. Maybe that's an area that God wants you to step into fully with your children. For others, that's going to be in our community. Maybe. It's a new ministry that God is calling you to create. Maybe it's starting a business. Maybe it's stepping out into that career field where you know that you can make a difference. Maybe it's going back to school. Maybe it's as simple as picking up the phone and having that conversation that you've been putting off, that you have been being silent about because you feel like you don't have a right to speak up. I don't know what it is for you, but what I do know Is God has created you as Azer Konegdo, and you have a role to play in this world, and you are called to show up with all of your gifts and all of your strengths to make a difference. This changes everything for women and girls. God deploys his daughters, all of us, to be Azer Konegdo, a strength equal to our brother's. We are called to be a powerful force standing shoulder to shoulder, working together to make God's dream for humanity a reality. And this changes everything for men as well. This ought to transform how Christian men who claim to believe and live by the Bible, it should change how they view and value women and girls. We are not weak and dependent. We are strong and indispensable allies in the work of God in our world. Our secular institutions are beginning to recognize the extraordinary potential of women and engaging in honest discussions about how to better develop and deploy the gifts of women, working to eliminate blind spots and making systemic and organizational changes so that women and men can work better together. I long to see our churches do the same. I long to see women awakened to their innate worthiness and strength, to own our voice, develop our gifts, and serve the world for God's glory. And even with all of this, I know there are still others that would say, yeah, but, but Adam was created first. And so doesn't that really mean that he's in charge? Doesn't His being created first put women at second rank. Well, if the order of creation determines authority and hierarchy, then the animals were created before Adam, so humans in general would be subordinate to animals. And I don't know anyone that's arguing for that. So to read authority into the text because Adam was created first and then Eve is a distortion. It's simply not there. When we look at what the text says, there is no indication of rank or hierarchy among human beings. God has created all of humanity as equal. Now, some would say, well, if women and men are equally created in God's image, does that mean that they are the same? And I want to suggest no. This is an area where egalitarians are often very misunderstood and sometimes misrepresented by complementarians. Egalitarians do not say that because we are equal, we are exactly the same. We are different, right? I mean, we can all look at our body parts and there are physical Differences to our bodies in general, men have more muscle than women, but that's not always the case. But in general, women are created with the ability to bear children. And so yes, there are some differences between us. But those differences do not mean that we are not equal. Now, complementarians often have this phrase, where they say yes, and that's women and men are equal in being, but they are different in their role or function. And that sounds really reasonable, but that actually is an illogical false statement. And let me help you understand that. Let me help, let me unpack that a bit because their actual statement of that is that men and women are equal in being, but women are eternally subordinate in their role or their function. And they base that subordination on our being because we are female. So you can say, I think that you are equal in being but different in role and function because you are female and that I'm not basing that on your equality. But if you are basing my Eternal subordinate status on my femaleness, then you are basing that role on my being. And therefore, there must be something in my being that inherently makes me unequal, so that I must always be subordinate. If women are equal in being, as complementarians say they believe, then you cannot use our femaleness, our beingness, as a reason for our eternal subordination to men. It's just not a logical conclusion. Now, some will point out that in Genesis chapter 3, it says that your desire will be for your husband and he shall rule over you. And so that God desires men to be in authority over women. I don't hear too many people arguing that anymore because Genesis 3 is a description of what has happened because of the consequences of sin in the fall. It's God's description of devastating consequences in our world. It's not a description of God's vision or his desire for humanity. And so we as Christians should not be living into sin and the fall. We as Christians that believe that we are redeemed daughters and sons of God should be living as the free, redeemed people of God. Let's open our eyes to the deception of the enemy who longs to keep God's sons and daughters at odds with one another, shackled in patriarchy, which is the result of sin and the curse. The chains have been broken in Christ. Jesus has rescued and redeemed us from sin and the curse, but many Christians are unknowingly dragging those chains around. So ladies, let's throw off the chains. Let's be champions of God's vision for women and for men. We are different and we need each other. We need the voices, ideas, and leadership of women equally beside men in our homes, in our churches, in the world. This is mutuality. This is God's vision and his dream for humanity, not one over the other, but side by side together. My sister, you are Azer Konegdo, strong and worthy, made in the image of our powerful, creative, loving, and compassionate God. And you, just like your brothers, are commissioned to use your voice, to develop your gifts, to make a positive contribution in the world. So I encourage you, strong woman, keep growing, keep learning, keep seeking God, and rise to your full potential. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast, if you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it with other women in your network. For more information about me and the work that I do, check out JeanetteCochran.com. And I'd love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social. You can find me on Facebook at J Coach or Instagram at Jeanette.Cochran.